Welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please welcome your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show, the only internet radio show dedicated to giving you real solutions to improve your health. Not only are they real solutions, but they're natural solutions as well, because as you know, the one and only true wealth you have is your health. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc, and I'm committed to helping you find the root cause of your health problem, fix the cause with natural treatments so you can feel normal again and live your life to the fullest. Just a quick bit of housekeeping before I introduce today's special guest. I'm happy to to announce my first book is now in print. The title is Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again, Fixing the Root Cause of Your Fatigue with Natural Treatments. I have discovered 14 root causes of fatigue. I like to call them the fatigue factors. And in this book, I explain eight of the 14. I've had some amazing feedback on how easy it is to read and understand. It's not full of technical doctory language like most books written by doctors are. And of course, the book also includes my own personal fatigue story, along with four other stories from real fatigue cases from my private practice. It's available in paperback and Kindle forms. So if you like a copy, you can find it on Amazon or on my website, www.drcary.com. That's it for our housekeeping, so let's get started. I'm very excited about this week's show because my special guest is someone that I greatly admire. Her name is Magdalena Shalaki. Let me tell you a little bit about Magdalena. She is the founder of Thyroid Diet Coach, a nutrition coaching practice dedicated to helping women rebalance their hormones with nutritional and lifestyle changes. Magdalena is a certified nutrition coach, speaker, and educator. She's had a long history of hormonal challenges from a highly stressful life in advertising. Starting with Graves' disease and Hashimoto's thyroiditis, both are autoimmune conditions which cause thyroid failure, and then adrenal fatigue and estrogen dominance. Today, Magdalena is in full remission, lives a symptom-free, awesome life, and teaches women how to accomplish the same through her various online coaching programs. Magdalena, thank you so much for being my special guest today on this episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. Absolutely. It's just so awesome to be here, Dr. Carey. Magdalena, I really wanted to have you on because you are the thyroid diet coach, because so many people out there suffer with thyroid problems, and I wanted you to tell our listeners today a little bit about your story and about Hashimoto's. And what did you do to to help yourself? Sure. I'll be happy to share. And, you know, I think same as your story with fatigue, uh, I think the best practitioners are really the ones who really can help a person is when you go through this yourself. (laughs) Because there's just really no, there's no better place to be coming from in in the sense of empathy and understanding. Um, You know, just very briefly, it's looking back at everything in my life really led into Hashimoto's. And so Hashimoto's doesn't happen for no reason. It's not like within two weeks we suddenly develop it. In my case, it was anything from not being a breastfed baby. You know, my mother bought into the whole 1970s craze of 
giving me a formula rather than be breastfeeding me. And obviously I ended up in a hospital already in the first month with pneumonia, right? That just tells you how weak my immune system was from day, day one. Later, always struggling with eczema and ear infections. I remember being taken to a doctor where tubes were put in my ears to, in order to suck out the, um, the, the pus out of my ears. And then through young adulthood, struggling with horrendous acne. You're talking about acne, not just on my on cystic acne on my face, but also on my back, on my front chest, even on my butt. It was so embarrassing. You know, little did I know that all of those were symptoms of inflammation. And along with that, a lot of digestive issues, always a lot of digestive stuff. And nobody obviously back then told me that that was there was a problem. Um, and, you know, a simple, a little ad that popped out, I'll never forget, on Yahoo, it said, does bread cause you acne? And that was a turning point in my life. I, I found an article that highlighted the gluten was a problem. And, you know, we are talking here about 15 years ago when nobody knew what even gluten was, right? So that was a really turning point uh, for me to really start understanding the impact of food intolerances um, off, on my health. And, you know, so that was a big part of it. And then um, I think going through life, you know, living, I spent most of my life in Asia and especially in Hong Kong and China and Shanghai. So most certainly the pollution and not really knowing what you're eating when you already have a very compromised um, immune system and a very, very fragile balance in your body certainly contributed to that. But I think, you know, really what broke the camel's back was the sense of stress, horrendous stress that I was dealing with. I used to work in advertising on um, Fortune 500 and some of them were Fortune 100 brands and, you know, doing strategic planning and I was stretched over a couple of different brands and it was just, you know, the expectations were just so horrendous. Um, a lot of traveling, a lot of airport time, you know, flights. Uh, and I think all of that just com in combination has just really completely made me crash. And this was in 2008, um, you know, as diagnosed with antibodies being <clears throat> close to 6,000. And um, and this is all history. And so obviously with that was adrenal fatigue. You know, I would come home and be so wired up that I, there's no way I could sleep. So I'll put on my running shoes and I'll run from my home to to the river in Shanghai, which is about 10 kilometers or six miles, and uh, and then come home, you know, and then take a long bath until three o'clock in the morning. I mean, you know, when I'm hearing myself talk about this, then I'm thinking, what on earth was I thinking? But that's just the way it is when you live that kind of life. And I know, I'm sure some of your listeners can relate to this. So, um, gosh, I, I, it's even painful to be talking about this today because you think like, you know, how dishonorable was that to my body? So that's my story. I'm in total remission today, and uh, my antibodies, um, you know, in a very managed place, um, feeling really, really awesome. I think that's the most important thing, and being symptoms-free. And that's really what I've dedicated my life to, to be helping other women. Now, Magdalena, for our listeners out there, I just wanted to explain to them a little bit about Hashimoto's, that mm. Hashimoto's is the most common underlying reason why people have hypothyroidism. Can you talk a little bit about that? How a lot of people are not even diagnosed properly? Sure, of course. I mean, you you know, we know that very well in a functional medicine that so many people are flying under the radar, right? And because of a variety of reasons, number one is the whole um, scandal with the TSH ranges. I mean, people, you know, we look at such a broad range today under 
conventional medicine standards and that's just 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 so not right and then using tsh so we really should be i don't know what's the tsh you're using but typically i like to see it between one and two yeah i like to see it definitely under two right um you know and then and then the the whole thing of not measuring free t3 right i mean doctors are measuring free t4 but that's the that's the first hormone that gets produced but really the working with a working hose that gets converted in the gut and the liver that really is what we have our receptors for and that's what gives us energy beautiful skin and hair is the free t3 and that's a lot of times is not measured so that's on the thyroid perspective but then like you said it's Hashimoto's is an autoimmune condition it, it just means the immune system gets the wrong signal and and it gets mutated to a point of launching an attack against its own body parts, so such as the thyroid. And, you know, and, and that's where we need to measure the antibodies. And again, doctors don't like to measure the antibodies because there is no medication currently they can give us to lower them, but instead it's going to open up a can of worms. And you're going to, as a patient, going to be asking you, so why is it high and what happened? And doctors don't have the answers to that, right? Because they don't work with nutrition and Hashimoto's trigger. So it's a, so really, so I think that the, the message that I would love to list, leave the listeners with is that to get diagnosed properly. So if you suspect you have symptoms of hypothyroidism, the most common ones are the fact you're putting on weight, you just can't lose it no matter what you do. You've got puffy face, you've got a lot of water retention going on, you've got um, foggy brain, you've got hair falling out, brittle nails, dry skin, any of those a combination, those are the most common ones, but there's more than that, um, then definitely go and test for Hash for Hashimoto's and for, for hypothyroidism. You want to see your TSH below two. You want to test for your antibodies, really important. You want to make sure you've got the free T3 done as well. So um, just as a starting point to get diagnosed, because once you get diagnosed, like half the battle is won, right? That's true. In fact, last week I diagnosed three new cases of Hashimoto. So for our listeners out there, even if you already know that you have a thyroid problem, you've already been diagnosed as hypothyroid, you probably have not been properly assessed to see if you actually have Hashimoto's as the underlying cause of your hypothyroidism. In fact, seven or eight out of 10 thyroid cases are actually Hashimoto's. So first thing to do if you already have a thyroid problem is to make sure you get tested for Hashimoto's. And as Magdalena explained that Hashimoto's is an autoimmune condition where your body is attacking your thyroid. So Magdalena, can you tell us about some of the things you did to bring your Hashimoto's into remission and your thyroid under control? Yeah, I would love to, and, and this is really part of big part of my work that I do today. In, in spite of you know the fact that everybody has a different trajectory and we all heal differently, so I want to just caution the listeners that this is my path and this is my trajectory, and yours might be, need to be different. So just we need to honor that we all heal differently. Um, but the you know I think the biggest thing that really helped me is to address my food intolerances. Um, I took out gluten, about half of my acne was gone, my headaches started disappearing. This is, you know, back in when I was like 28 years old. Um, and I'm 40 now, 41. And so, you know, so that was a big, re that was, I could see an improvement. And, you know, back then it was all about on a very superficial level, like, oh, I've got acne, I don't want that, right? Um, 
but then you know but then it was a pretty easy discovery from that point on that dairy was not serving me well and then I had a problem with eggs um, so addressing those and really having a good move movement in my you know good digestion so good bowel movement which I always had problems with constipation um, I always always bloated after having a latte always bloated after having pasta and, you know, and we, we get so used to experiencing this every day that we assume that it's normal. And I want to assure everyone on this call, if you're having any form of digestive issues, di so digestive pain, bloating, constipation, gas, acid reflux, burping after eating, having uh, discomfort in your stomach, having eaten, all of those are absolutely not normal. And just because everybody else's else is experiencing that, by far is that no, not normal. So, you know, so addressing, uh, so really getting my digestion under control. Um, I think the second thing is really detoxifying. You know, I lived in such toxic environments and toxic from, you know, when you live in China, you really have no control of what you eat. I had a lot of always awareness and appreciation for organic food, but I just couldn't get it there, right? And, you know, everybody knows about the pollution in China, how horrid it is. And that's absolutely true. Um, so addressing, I think those, and I think the third thing, you know, I must tell you is really addressing stress. Um, living in a Western culture, we are so, you know, especially as a woman when, you know, my career was such a big, important thing of getting self-validation and making me feel really important about what I do and, and getting all these accomplishments. And I was very, very good in what I was doing. I was doing strategic planning. But it's really sucked me in, you know, and then you're flying, you're like in, you're in Beijing one weekend and you're working over the weekend and you're going to fly to Taipei. And then I was off to Kuala Lumpur and Singapore for an exhibition. And, you know, it was crazy. So just really honoring my body's need to rest. That was huge and saying no to things. So I have to tell you, you know, I actually walked away from advertising. I gave up my job and most of my friends and clients were saying, gosh, you're crazy. Like, you're never going to find anything as good as this. Why would you do that? And people don't really understand that when your body is telling you, I've had enough, and you really, really allow yourself to listen to it and honor it. It's one of the best things you would ever do for yourself. So, Magdalena, you mentioned three key things there. You mentioned um, changing your diet, getting rid of the foods you're sensitive to. You yeah. mentioned detoxifying and addressing the stress. So... Can you share with us what what do you think are the most common diet mistakes that people that have thyroid problems and Hashimoto's make? I know that you, like I, really believe that food is the best medicine. So if you can tell us, what are those most common diet mistakes? Yeah, you know, um, so that's why I was talking about it just now. And in, in my case is that this is my story. And just because I had a problem with gluten, dairy and eggs, it doesn't mean that these are your issues. And so um, it's really, really important to identify your triggers. And I think one of the most common mistakes that people make is that, um, you know, I would say about 80% of people who call me, they will say, I eat really well. I don't know whether you get that as well. All the time. All, All the time. time. Okay, so that's that's a common thing. And, you know, and we eat well because that's what some magazines told us or that's just like the common knowledge that salads are good for us, right? 
and um, you know, and and some pro- promising shakes and powders, protein powders, just because they're advertised by some celebrity, they're really good for us, and you know, all of that. And it's very it's very dangerous space, but because really, how is it serving you? If you're eating well already and you believe that food plays a role here somehow, then how come this is not working for you? And and so this is where. You know, I think it's really, really good to work with somebody who can guide you through this because everybody's food sensitivities and food tolerance and way of eating is going to be different. So let me share a couple of examples here. You know, I talked about the food sensitivities that I had, but here is the the big seven foods I typically would want to get a person off for two, three weeks just to see how they respond. So it's definitely gluten, dairy, eggs, but so is corn, soy, I like to get people off nightshades, which are potatoes, tomatoes, eggplants, and peppers, and goji berries. <laughs> um, and then, you know, um, and then definitely yeast and minimal, minimal sugar, right? So those are the, the big things. And again, you know, and, and some people tend to be okay with tomatoes, and others find out that the minute we introduce tomatoes, they have eczema breaking out on their on their hands or um, so it's really honoring and figuring out what is what are your food problems and everybody has different ones that's that's the biggest um, I think biggest mistake that people make the other thing is I think you know just the whole assumption that being vegetarian or vegan is the right thing for us to do um, oh I'm already vegetarian and I'm still so I'm like well so how is it working for you well, you know, my antibodies are still high, I'm a hypoglycemic, I can't sleep at night, etc., etc. Well, you know, technically, you can be doing Pringles and be drinking diet soda, and you're still vegetarian, right? Right. Right. So, um, so I think it's really, really about what is it that your body needs that that you really need to honor. So just to give you also an example here, you know, avocados can be bad for you. If your body is not tolerating, if you if you have a sensitivity towards FODMAPs, which is a form of saccharides, kind of sugars that are found in certain vegetables, avocados are very high in this particularly one of those saccharides, and and you're gonna be you're gonna be reactive to it, and you're gonna get gas from eating avocados. So who would have known, right? Everybody tells you avocados are great for you. Um, you know, for a lot of people with thyroid conditions, they're afraid of crucifers. Um, I think that's another mistake that many make. Is that there's been a lot of unsupported, you know, unsupported claims that cruciferous, like the goitrogenic vegetables, are causing hypothyroidism, and I think this is, you know, this is totally unsupported. In fact, there's more and more research now coming out showing that cruciferous are, as long as they are cooked, they are perfectly fine. And I've always been doing that with my clients: steam them, lightly cook them. There's no reason to be afraid of them. They're gonna be fine. And remember, when you have Hashimoto's, you have an autoimmune disease. That means you're going to take care of your digestion first, you know, first and foremost, because that's where the problem lies. The the thyroid is not originally the problem. So, you know, I would never recommend for anybody to be juicing like a bunches of kale every morning. Absolutely not. But um, cutting out cruciferous is also a mistake because... There is just so much of nutritional value in those vegetables that, and they help deliver. And because they are bitter, they help deliver, and the liver detoxifies us. And they're gonna be helping us with estrogen, um, metabolizing estrogen through the substance called DIM. So there's really no reason for us to be cutting them out. Um, what else? I, you know, I think those are. I, I, well, I think maybe on the last point on 
you know, on, on the nutritional mistakes, um, I would say is that the, our over-reliance on supplements. And, you know, I know you work very differently and, and I, that's why I really um, honor your work and I send a lot of my clients your ways because, you know, we, we really, food is the biggest thing that we put in our body in the first place. So supplement as the name implies is, is to supplement, is to complement what we're doing in the mainstream. And the mainstream is our food. And so, you know, I can't tell you, Dr. Carey, how many of my clients have walked away from naturopath's office with like seven to ten supplement bottles and absolutely no dietary changes. You know, I, I mean, I just find that very, very disturbing and very disappointing how can the doctor not talk to the patient about getting off gluten about repairing the digestion you know looking at the hydrochloric acid and all that stuff that we most of us struggle with so that those are um those are, i think some of the um the most important mistakes so to recap you mentioned um you mentioned with food sensitivities the most common triggers are gluten dairy eggs corn soy nightshades and yeast and to avoid eating sugar and you mentioned what did you mention after that mm. i said to really um listen to your body and and honor your specific dietary needs yeah yeah and you said about avocado uh, the, as an example yeah and, and you mentioned about the goitrogenic foods that there's really, and I agree, there's really no evidence to really support saying that broccoli is bad for your thyroid. Yeah. So eat it, eat it steamed, eat it cooked. And then the last thing that you mentioned was that people tend to rely too much on supplements. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. there's a lot of doctors out there that do the same thing. They rely too much on supplements when it's really food that is going to be the biggest I've always seen it in my practice, Magdalena, the, the patients that change their diet are always the ones that get the biggest benefits. Right. So Magdalena, can you give us three practical diet tips that anyone can try tomorrow? Yeah, you know, uh, definitely. I, I would encourage everybody to get off those big sevens that we talked about just now. And, and you know, and here's the thing. This can be so intimidating at first, right? Because you go like, oh my God, how am I? So now what am I going to be eating, right? That's a typical response. And that's a very normal concern. And don't beat yourself up for it. Don't, don't think that you are weak or, you know, not good enough to be doing anything new just because you feel this way. Absolutely not. Everybody feels this way when they first start. Um, but here's the thing, you know, a couple of things. Number one is, it's really, really important to surround yourself with foods that you can have. So to give you an example, one of my favorite breakfasts, a transitional breakfast for people who are giving up the foods that we talked about, is to do a smoothie first thing in the morning, right? And I know we are going into um, winter now. It's going to get colder and colder. Uh, so smoothies, you know, smoothies can be warm. They can be room temperature. Or you can even put hot, warm water into them. So how... How I would make a smoothie is we'll be working with things like using avocado and using some seeds and nuts. Maybe I'll put in a bunch of pecans and then a bunch of sunflower seeds 
and then put maybe two teaspoons of cacao, fresh cacao powder, unsweetened, right? And then maybe put one pitted date in it so to be a, my natural sweetener. And then I'll put some flax seeds into this for supporting my liver and estrogen. Um, you know, and then you top it up with warm water and blend it. And oh my God, I, I just can't tell you what a divine chocolate pudding breakfast it is, but without all that excessive sugar. Um, and that will tie you over to, you know, to a lunch quite easily. So those are the kind of, you know, ideas that you can really focus on or doing things like dinner for breakfast, you know, do really dinner foods. One of my favorite breakfasts is steamed salmon with, or sorry, sauteed salmon with steamed vegetables and then topped up with some nice dressing. I just feel so grounded and so nourished by having that kind of breakfast, savory breakfast. So those are, you know, the, I think fixing your breakfast. Um, so first, you know, I think the first thing, the biggest thing is to really think about the foods that you can be eating rather than your foods you can't be eating. So coming up with recipes, whether you get a book, whether you work with somebody who can support you through the diet changes, um, is really, really going to be important. So focus on what you can eat rather than you can't eat. And there's many of things. Most of the things, if you really think about it, all the vegetables, fruits, um, you know, meats, fish, seafood, it's still on your plan, right? On your, from it's, it's your choice to bring them in. Um, and I would say, you know, con translate that into a really, really hearty breakfast. Um, to me, breakfast, like if you have a really beautiful breakfast and I like to work with something called PFF, um, a PFF breakfast, which stands for proteins, fat and fiber rich breakfast. And so, you know, getting the proteins from whether it's animal proteins from fish or whether it's from nuts and seeds, good quality fats in it. Um, and so, yes, I do, you know, I do actually like working with some levels of saturated fats. I'm one of those who actually <laughs> like to have bacon once a week or so. And I get my clients to do that, too. I don't see anything wrong with that. There's enough good stuff in saturated fats. Um, you know, so this is fixing a breakfast and, um, you know, Dr. Karen, I think the third thing I would say for practical tips, diet tips is to really, really surround yourself with a really good support team, whether you find that online, whether you work with somebody who can guide you through it, can prepare meal plan and take the overwhelm out of that transition. That's going to be a really big part of your success. One of the things that doesn't work for many people is when they go I will just try and that trying is like you know you're just like putting your feet in there a little bit dabbling around with it that's not what your body needs you really need to take these food culprits out of your diet 100% and um, and that's when the and that's when healing starts but here's the thing where you can tell yourself this is just gonna be for two weeks three two to three weeks let's just say three weeks I'm just doing these changes for three weeks and then see what happens. Because here's the thing. When you tell yourself this is only for three weeks, then the overwhelm is lessened. And, and I promise you that within the first three weeks, you're going to feel so good that the thought of even going back to having these bagels and horrible, you know, pancakes and all of those and sugary stuff for breakfast, that's going to actually be putting you off. And when you do try, because that's part of the whole thing right is that after three weeks you then reintroduce these foods to see how you feel 
And when you reintroduce that food, you're going to be feeling so horrible, or some of the foods, then that's going to be just let put off. Um, so that's that's what I would really want to um, leave you with is the mindset as well, not just the things to do, but the mindset to go in with to making those changes. So the mindset is really about taking it step by step, bit by bit. As you said, just try it for two or three weeks. Don't think about the rest of your life, just two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other mindset tips? Because I think you're right, Magdalene. A lot of patients get caught up and it gets very overwhelming. Um, recently online, there was a Hashimoto summit. There was a thyroid summit. There were the thyroid sessions. There's been a, there's been a lot of interest recently mm-hmm. about thyroid, and, which is excellent because we're educating so many people around the world, but at the same time, it's so overwhelming too. So do you have any other tips for advice on, on mindset and, and how to, how, how patients can help themselves? Yeah. You know, um, some people, I think it's important to honor our different learning abilities, um, or learning preferences, I should say. Some people are real DIYers. I do it just myself. I'm, I'm definitely that way too. Um, you know, if your way of learning is to get a bunch of books, listen to all these different summits that went on, write down what you, and come up with a plan yourself, great. But if you feel overwhelmed, then do reach out to people who can help you with that. And they are coaches, whether it's me, whether it's Dr. Carey, whether it's people who specialize in um, preparing you know, working with, with someone, I think is really getting the support thing going first. Um, you know, really starting off very simple. I mean, to me, the elimination diet is the starting point. I mean, we can talk about so many other things with Hashimoto's, right, Dr. Carey? I mean, we can talk about stress and toxicity, and we can talk about amalgam fillings and mold in a house, and the list can go on and on and on. They can all be triggers for Hashimoto's. But I find that really addressing the food is the first thing. And if you can, my, I think my biggest tip for this will be start off with a good breakfast. And, and you know, when you go to my website, thyroiddietcoach.com, there's plenty of recipes. In fact, I've got a whole cookie show that's coming up that's just dedicated to, um, I don't know if I told you about this, but I've got a show coming up called Cooking for Balanced Hormones. And, you know, rebalancing um, hormones is going to be, a, is obviously the, the topic of the show. So breakfast is, is a big thing. Um, print out a list of foods that you can have, right? And put, whether you put it in your wallet or you hang it on the wall, whatever works for you. And focus on those foods that you can have rather than the foods that you're going to be eliminating. Because really, if you think about it, you're just cutting out seven foods. But if you count and look at the wall and the printout of the foods that you can have, it's so much more. And that's when it feels empowering. That's when it feels like, oh, okay, you know, I think I can do this. I can still have salmon and, you know, steamed kale and charts for breakfast. I can do this amazing smoothie. That's fine. I can do all the avocados. You know, I can still be snacking on on gluten-free. You know, I can make my own sweet potato chips. And have those instead of regular potato chips, and they're much more nutritious anyway. So I I, f- I found out that's very helpful with a lot of my clients is just to print out those lists. I love that idea, and one of the things that, as a tip that I give 
patients also kind of a lot along your same lines of taking it, you know, bit by bit is I'll have them just focus on breakfast. Mm-hmm. Say, don't worry about lunch or dinner or your snacks, you know, just work on breakfast, just work on that one meal and get that figured out. Whether it's eliminating those big seven food triggers yeah, or, or something like that. But once you really master that breakfast and it might take a week or two, then right. once you've ma- mastered that, then go on to lunch and, and now work on lunch and really right. master that and just take it step by step. And I think that really helps to overwhelm also. Yeah. That's huge. That is huge. Yeah. And you know, and obviously if, if you can, you know, if you can either get your, get books that show meal plans, if that's, that works for you. Um, I certainly come up, you know, one of the big things that people have to, um, work with a coach is that because you get a meal plan, right? So, so coming up with getting support in that way. But also I think the other thing that, you know, a lot of people find super helpful is to work with somebody who can really help them with their journaling. So just to give you an example, you know, I, I'm a big fan of journals. Um, I find it very cathartic. I think it's very therapeutic. It's very revealing. There is a sense of honesty that you're going to have with yourself. There is a sense of transparency and, and you're not, you know, you're not going to be judged by anyone by keeping that journal. It's just for you. And when people write down what they eat, um, how they feel. And my, my third column is, is, it's poop. It's all about the poop. How was your poop like? Cause you know, as you and I know, poop can be a beautiful diagnostic tool. And so we can teach, teach our clients and patients that as well to start looking at their own poop, you know, and that becomes, I find those journals to be incredibly powerful for people because you know, there's a lot of patterns we start spotting. Oh, every time I have chocolate, I can't sleep. Oh, every time, you know, I had stressful day at work, the next morning I'm binging sugar and, you know, and, and so on and so on. Um, what I do with those journals is that we use them to drill deeper into what else is going on beyond those seven food items. And a lot of times people have an ability to spot trends themselves and issues. And a lot of times my clients come to me and say, you know, I think um, are they having, I think I'm having a problem with, um, with cauliflower. Every time I have cauliflower, I have so much gas, right? Or they will say, you know, every time I drink lemon, I have this eczema um, flare up, right? So then we're going to look into the low histamine foods. Like maybe is that the problem? So it's a fantastic diagnostic tool. And it just puts the person in, in, the, in a driver's seat. Because I think that's one of the things that people with Hashimoto's, we are such an undertreated overlooked um you know group of people in the endocrine world and amongst the endocrinologists there's so few of them who are really in the know of the stuff we are talking about that you know people feel very lost what do i do how do i eat and all these questions so just to regain that power of yourself and just uh, regain that power and just to see your own life change like every time oh I eat better I, I, I'm you know I've got more energy I sleep better I'm beginning to lose weight that's that's very empowering so I would say you know for anybody to set up a journal it's it's no-brainer and and it's a very very it's a wonderful diagnostic tool and then when you work with somebody who's really skilled in looking at those then they can look at from a more overlay and more professional angle to things and more expert eye into this but 
even if you don't do that just by yourself, there is uh, there's so much that's going to come up. Magdalena, you've given our listeners such great tips today. How can our listeners find out more about you and more about your upcoming uh, cooking uh, school? Um, yeah, so, you know, the best thing to do is just to sign up to my list on thyroiddietcoach.com and you get a starter kit. And once you're on my mailing list, I will be in touch. We are looking at launching Cooking for Balanced Hormones at the end of October. So the whole summer, you know, we were filming and I was developing recipes and um, it was it was a crazy summer and I've put on eight pounds. <laughs> Somebody had to eat all that food. Um, but it was a, it was just a fantastic time to really put those things together. And I've been reaching out to my community, asking a lot of questions. What do you want? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to cook? So, you know, there's going to be a big focus on um breakfast, snacks, meals on the run. But I also want to bring in those traditional ways of preparing food. So I'm going to do a lot of cultured and fermented foods. You know, I'm Eastern European by background. So we grew up with sauerkraut and pickled dill dill pickles at home. And so I think it's a shame that, um, you know, it's it, it's a lost art in the United States or North America. And I want to bring that back in and slowly people are totally loving it. Um, and we're also going to be teaching sprouting. And so there's going to be a lot of really good stuff coming up. So, But thyroiddietcoach.com is really the best starting point. That's fantastic. And I'm really looking forward to, um, to doing your online cooking school. I, th- I think it's a brilliant idea. And I know that you're going to help so many people around the world with that. Thank you. I, I, I hope I do. Magdalena, thank you so much for being my special guest today. This was an awesome interview. Thank you. You know, I'm a big fan of your work. So it's just like when you know somebody and I know how you work. And and so that's just been such a real awesome pleasure to um, get to know you as well a little bit better just by doing this interview. So I want to thank you for everything you're doing also for my clients. All right. That wraps up this very special episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show with Magdalena Jalaki, the thyroid diet coach. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today. And I'd like to invite you back next week for another episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc. Have a great week. You've been listening to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please tell your friends about the Functional Medicine Radio Show, and we'll see you next week with more from Dr. Carrie.